0: I just got me a new motherfucking guitar don't even know her name yet just breaking her vagina and you know what I'm talking about and kind of fiddling with them chords you yeah, know trying to get that you know that lovey dovey in there that lovey lovey Dave, oh, hey, what's going on, people in Z-World? You on the midnight show of Brainwash Radio. What the fuck? What? What the what? What the what? What? That's all I got to say. Check it out. You on the brain, baby. Love it. Oh, love it. Speaking of loving, it, this show is for, and only for broad-minded motherfuckers only. It should not be sold or distributed to minors under any circumstances whatsoever. <laughs> I'll just let y'all know. You know, if you have your kids in the room, damn, shame on your ass. I should be spanking your vagina. West, etc. B-
1: these things w- weren't restricted to that. I can't explain it any further. All I know is that I didn't want to watch one more second. I don't think I would have been able to. I left my room. For the first time in a while, I was planning to leave my house. I needed fresh air to take a walk or something. Hell, I was thinking about running a marathon in the middle of the night just to get my mind off that shit for a few hours. I was putting on my jacket when I heard a knock on the door. I stopped dead in my tracks. Obviously, I wasn't opening up. About a minute and five more sets of knocks came before somebody spoke up. Open up. We know what you did, but we're not here to hurt you. We just want to talk. The tone wasn't threatening. Eventually, I obliged. I opened the door to two tall, slim men in suits. They smiled at me. Can we come in? Still, I don't know how they found me. I thought for sure that I was off the grid. We sat down on the couch. I guess I was just waiting for answers at this point. One of them looked at me and said, what were you looking for? I don't know, I I don't know, but I'm not going back, I responded. He smiled again, like this was what he wanted to hear. The other one piped up. Who do you work for? His tone was a bit more aggressive. I just shook my head. Look, I I, I don't know what I was getting into. I wasn't looking for anything. They just stared at me for a while. I'm not going to tell anybody. Trust me. And they finally responded. We're not worried about that. Doubt anybody would believe you. Another smile. Somehow it felt genuine. We just wanted to know what your priorities were. In retrospect, that was a very strange question. Just do us a favor, and we'll leave." I perked up. Give us the device you used to access it. I didn't ask any questions. I ran upstairs and basically tossed them my laptop. They both smirked at me one last time before heading to the door. Just as they were about to leave, one of them turned back. I don't think you need to be told again, but don't try this again, and don't show anybody else how to get there, either. We'll know." I didn't ask who they were. I'm not sure I would have wanted to know. It's been a week now. I don't go on the internet so much anymore. After this, I'm going to try to forget. To try and not think about it anymore. I've started having horrific nightmares. Been seeing a therapist for that, but I don't think it's helping. Anyways, I'm not gonna let this consume the rest of my life. The thing is, I'm afraid this might not be possible. There are things we aren't supposed to know about. Probably for our own safety and sanity. Don't try to seek them out.
2: It's better that way. Mm-hmm. However... ...it might be you... a few... Good evening, all. And welcome.
3: Before the video begins, I'd like to thank Dashlane for graciously sponsoring this video. They're a mobile and desktop app committed to keeping all of your digital data secure and organized. One of the best and most useful features for me has been the password manager. They store all of your passwords securely, so you only ever need to remember one.
4: Men in black are reported everywhere across the world. In fact, these men may not even be human. Their enigma is just that great. Whether government agents, ultra-dimensional entities, or aliens, it is claimed they exist for one purpose – to silence all those involved in UFO research, and make sure that the truth about the existence of extraterrestrials and their agenda remains obscure. It was the 3rd of August 1965 and 38-year-old former police officer Rex Heflin was out on the Santa Ana Freeway in Southern California doing his job as a highway maintenance engineer for the Orange County Road Department. Savage Point, the publisher and co-owner of the Santa Ana Register newspaper saw them and asked to borrow the originals for publication. Reluctant and still believing the photographs to be of an experimental aircraft from El Toro, Heflin eventually agreed for the newspaper to make copies of the images. Six weeks after the initial incident, the photographs were published in the Register. Soon after, the story attracted the attention of UFO researchers, who, far from agreeing with Heflin's assumption that the object in question was an experimental aircraft, believed he had actually witnessed a craft of extraterrestrial origin. What is more, upon being asked, the Altaro Marine Base denied that the object in the photos was an experimental craft. It was not from their base and they had received no other reports relating to the film's actors went on to die before the age of 45, under mysterious circumstances. James Dean, the lead actor and cultural icon, met his end only a month before the film's release. On the 30th of September 1955, the 24-year-old was driving his newly purchased Porsche 550 Spider. The car crashed head-on with another vehicle and Dean sustained numerous fatal injuries despite there being others involved in the collision Dean was the only one to perish the driver of the other car walked away unharmed save for a minor scratch on his nose that combined with the fact that Dean was an experienced race-car driver led some to wonder how his accident could have happened Very soon after the incident, rumors of a curse began to circulate. Another to pass away before his time was Nick Adams, a personal friend of Dean and an actor in the film. In 1968, at the age of 36, he was found slumped against a wall in his Beverly Hills home. The details were unclear. The most prevalent explanation was that of a fatal combination of drugs. Others, however, have suggested Adam's end was more sinister, speculating that a crime may have been committed. The sinister circumstances surrounding the next to perish were not debatable. Sal Minio, who starred as Plato in Rebel Without a Cause, had his life stolen, aged 37, when an assailant attacked him in 1976. The attacker was found and sentenced, his motive for the attack unclear. In 1980
0: slapping your nipples Damn Bowing down But meanwhile, we ain't supposed to be bowing down or slapping vaginas or anything. We're damn We're in the what? What? <laughs> it's all fucked up over here in the brain What I was
1: seeing, I don't think I really wanted to Now, I'm not really sure why I kept going My brain was screaming for me to take my computer out to the lawn and smash it into pieces, but I didn't. I noticed something I hadn't before. A small message at the bottom left-hand corner of my screen. I didn't know if it had always been there or not. It was hard to read, so I had to squint. It was more Latin. Translated into, are you satisfied? There were two options underneath it. Yes and no. Now, I knew the answer to this question. Hell no, I wasn't satisfied. I was horrified scarred for life, but I should have clicked on yes. If I just clicked on yes, it would have taken me out of that godforsaken place, back to comfort and sanity. Even right now, I, I can't tell you why I clicked on no. But once I did, the page seemed to refresh. It was still the same basic setup, except there were only four links. This time, there were no recognizable numbers or characters. Hell, it didn't look like anything that could have come from this world. Just a collection of extremely crude symbols that didn't give off any sense of pattern or direction. I clicked on the first link. After about 20 seconds, I slammed my computer shut. I can't describe to you what I saw. All I know is that I wasn't supposed to see it. Nobody should have ever seen something like this. It's not only that it didn't make any sense. I can't tell you why it didn't. I, I couldn't begin to grasp the images I was seeing. It wasn't graphic or anything, not like that. I I just couldn't recognize anything. I could make out things moving, but not in the way any creature on Earth has ever moved before. Colors that I'd never seen before. Just thinking about it gives me a splitting headache. This is my best attempt at visualizing it. We have three dimensions here on Earth. We can move forward, backward, left, right. 72.4 degrees south.
4: One Natalie Wood, Dean's love interest in the film drowned off Catalina Island, California. Many of the circumstances of the case were mysterious, with an autopsy revealing (laughs) several inexplicable injuries. A series of tragic deaths that many saw as somehow being connected to the 1955 movie. When the film premiered a month after James Dean's passing, it had an enigmatic aura and quickly became a classic. In the years afterwards, everything Dean had owned or touched seemed to become imbued with magic, as though they were sacred relics. Even the car he crashed in became legendary, with many believing it to be cursed, independent of, or even perhaps because of, its connection to the movie via Dean. Fires, crashes, and mysterious injuries became synonymous with Dean's Porsche. For all of this, there are those who dismiss these tragedies as coincidence. After all, some of the film's other actors lived well past 45, including Dennis Hopper and Corey Allen. Yet, one can never be certain of coincidence being meaningless. It may be that there was something about this seemingly innocuous film that cursed its protagonists to die before that time. The poltergeist film franchise's curse is alleged to have claimed four lives. The original 1982 movie follows the Freeling family and their daughter Carol,
1: who may mo- be too late for me.
5: office that's doing
6: primary care differently. Our best-in-class doctors are here to help you live a better...
2: (coughs) Greetings, everyone. Some may find the content in this video disturbing. Therefore, viewer discretion is giving the idea that this happened before. She clicked on it and it led her to more videos of me. Something you should know is that I have a habit of leaving my computer on, even if using it. It's always on my desk or my bed. Video one was of me undressing. In video two, I was practicing guitar. In video three, I was making out with my boyfriend. And in video four, I was sleeping. She said that those were all the videos she ended up calling me and our conversation went like this her hey what are you doing me homework why her why don't we go see a movie me sure can you pick me up her yeah be there
4: move into a new house which is infested by spirits what follows is a struggle to save carol from evil entities attempting to abduct her and take her to their dimension. It is said that the curse can be traced back to production, with strange things allegedly occurring on set. In one scene, a mechanism on a toy clown was supposed to wrap its arms loosely around a young actor, giving the appearance of strangulation. Terrifyingly, something happened which caused the toy to start actually strangling the boy actor. What happened on set, however, was nothing compared to the horrors that happened off it. Dominique Dunn, the actor who played Carol's elder sister in the film, passed away shortly after Poltergeist was released, after her boyfriend attacked her. Julian Beck, who played a cult leader in the sequel, lost his battle with stomach cancer in 1985 and was unable to see the film released. Then there was the tragic end of Will Sampson in 1987, who played the friendly character of Taylor in Poltergeist II The Other Side. However, the most tragic end of all attributed to the curse is that of the child actor, Heather O'Rourke, who played for all trees were obscuring a railroad crossing sign. And, concerned that motorists would be unaware of the danger ahead, Heflin attempted to radio in and alert his supervisor. The radio, however, was unexpectedly dead. At that moment, sitting inside his work van trying to make contact, Heflin is said to have spotted something strange in the sky a 20-foot-wide, hat-shaped aircraft that flew across the road at a height of about 150 feet. Fortunately, Heflin had a Polaroid camera to hand, which he used for his job, and was able to photograph the peculiar craft through the windscreen of his van. As it came closer, he claimed he witnessed a greenish-white rotating beam of light emitting from the center of the UFO on the bottom side, and was able to take two further photos. Watching the craft through the passenger window of his van, Heflin described seeing it wobble as it continued moving away, slowly gaining altitude, at which point it seemed to gain stability, then it increased its velocity and altitude more rapidly, leaving a deposit of smoke-like vapor, after which it disappeared, a bluish-black ring of smoke in its wake. Heflin then drove towards the smoke ring and was able to take a fourth and final photograph before the smoke faded. At the time, Heflin believed he had seen an experimental aircraft from the nearby Al Toro Marine Base. As such, he did not think much about the images, and didn't mention the incident to anyone until he showed the photos to a few co-workers at his Santa Ana office. Upon sharing them, it was suggested that what he had seen was not an experimental aircraft, and might in fact be something more unusual, perhaps even something not from Earth. Heflin was unconvinced, and for a time kept the images to himself. Eventually, after loaning the originals to his sister, copies of Heflin's photos ended up being displayed in a pharmacy in Santa Ana, at which Carol. She did not live to see the third film completed, passing away of an undiagnosed illness at the tender age of twelve. Director Gary Sherman has stated that he and the crew felt such a tragic burden after Heather's passing that they had wanted to stop production of the third Poltergeist film. He was, however, forced to finish production and make a new ending without her, which even he described as stupid. To those who believe that the Poltergeist movies were cursed, the botched ending to the franchise can be seen as its ultimate triumph. On the other side, many simply see misfortune at the center of these tragic events. Will Samson had been suffering from a chronic degenerative disease for a while, and Beck had been battling against cancer for a couple of years. Heather's passing can likewise be attributed to plain earthly tragedy, the mistakes of doctors which predated the franchise. Yet, there are still many who see the timings of these tragedies as being linked to the film. One popular theory surrounding this is the belief that real skeletons were used as props at the end of the first Poltergeist movie, and that such unholy desecration brought a curse upon the franchise. Indeed, in an interview in 2008, Joe Beth Williams, who played Diane Freeling in the film, stated that she had assumed the skeletons she would be interacting with were made out of plastic or rubber. Too late, she found that they were real skeletons, that the production had acquired because it was too expensive to make fake ones. Bruce Casson, the film's assistant prop master, corroborated Williams by stating that the skeletons came from Carolina Biological, and at the time were mainly used by medical students. With this in mind, it could be said that short-term financial solutions cost the crew far more than money in the long term. In 2013, a silent film called Return to Babylon was released. It showcased many of the scandals and tragedies that occurred during Hollywood's early years. According to filmmaker Alex Object, eager to examine the case in greater detail, researchers contacted Heflin asking to see the original Polaroids. The answer they received was unexpected. Heflin explained that they could not borrow them, as a government official had already taken them away. By the time an investigative team headed by a noted biophysicist reached out to Heflin at the end of September, Marine Corps intelligence officers had come to Heflin's house, interviewed him and borrowed the first three pictures to make copies. The photographs were returned, after which the US Air Force also made contact and conducted an official inquiry, during which Heflin was interviewed for more than three hours, and the originals were once again taken away for further investigation. As before, the images were returned, with the report made by the US I never thought that earning money could be this easy. I just signed up to be a DoorDash driver and it's been great. It's such a fun. The silver screen presents us with a glass cage from which to see a created world. Everything within is fabricated, but we suspend disbelief to be entertained. Detached, we are safe from these fictionalized events. Yet, there are movies which are claimed to have transcended their sets in order to afflict their creators. Everyone from actors, producers, writers, special effects designers and their acquaintances. Some films are even said to be so cursed that they never made it to the screen. With that in mind, here are five of the most cursed movies of all time. The classic American movie Rebel Without a Cause was released in 1955. Centering on the antics of emotionally confused middle-class suburban teenagers, it has been heralded as one of the greatest films of all time. However, some claim that the movie's legacy is not just cultural, but deadly, too. Many of the films...
5: my friend is like you heard that right it's like there was nobody there (laughs) then i hear this scared me There's always weird things
3: going on at the house that i was growing up in the second i put my head to the pillow i heard a man's voice somebody was like kneeling
6: at at my bed the feeling I got is immediately that it was a very sad place. I heard this voice. He pointed his staff. He started to come down the stairs, and I thought, I'm in trouble. That night, I wake up. I can see myself from
0: three different perspectives, knowing that somebody had
5: died. I was living in this ranch house with my boyfriend at the time, his name was Chris and we lived out in Agora Hills which is about half an hour outside of Los Angeles but none of our friends would come see us and we were kind of isolated out there and we were both working in Los Angeles so we decided we wanted to move back to Los Angeles to be closer to everybody. We found this really beautiful old English manor. It was like a big white house. And when I walked in, I just fell in love with it. And I, I wanted, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it was really beautiful. And, and we moved in. And we were walking around the house. When you walk in the bedroom, and then just to the left, there was a little sunroom with these little-
4: one Natalie Wood, Dean's love interest in the film, drowned off Catalina Island, California. Many of the circumstances of the case were mysterious, with an autopsy revealing <laughs> several inexplicable injuries. A series of tragic deaths that many saw as somehow being connected to the 1955 movie. When the film premiered a month after James Dean's passing, it had an enigmatic aura and quickly became a classic. In the years afterwards, everything Dean had owned or touched seemed to become imbued with magic, as though they were sacred relics. Even the car he crashed in became legendary, with many believing it to be cursed, independent of, or even perhaps because of, its connection to the movie via Dean. Fires, crashes, and mysterious injuries became synonymous with Dean's Porsche. For all of this, there are those who dismiss these tragedies as coincidence. After all, some of the film's other actors lived well past 45, including Dennis Hopper and Corey Allen. Yet, one can never be certain of coincidence being meaningless. It may be that there was something about this seemingly innocuous film that cursed its protagonists to die before their time. The poltergeist film franchise's curse is alleged to have claimed four lives. The original 1982 movie follows the Freeling family and their daughter Carol, who mo-
5: We were both just like there might actually be something here a couple days later my friend is helping because thanksgiving is coming up my friends helping me prep all of my vegetables and everything for you know the meal i'm doing all my preparations for thanksgiving which was the next day and there was a lot going on we had to finish you know getting the room painted and everything and get the house totally done because we're having this big Thanksgiving party and we're hanging out and we hear a knock at the door. And I also hear a woman's voice saying, hello. And I I literally was like, oh, there's someone at the door. So my friend went to go get it and I continued chopping and doing my thing. And then she comes back a couple seconds later and she's like, you heard that, right? And I said, yeah. She's like, there was nobody there. (laughs) And then that's when the radio blasted on. And we're both a little startled because we're like, where is that coming from? And it was coming from upstairs in my master bedroom. Like walking toward my master bedroom and I open the door and the music is blasting. So loud. And immediately my attention goes over to the French doors in this sunroom area and right beneath it is my painter's radio. And I walk over to the radio which I don't really want to do. turned it off and beelined out of the room as fast as I could. I was like, okay, cool, done, awesome. He has an alarm on his radio and that sucks because it scared me. So the next day, it's it's Thanksgiving Day and he's you know finishing up his stuff and I go up there and I'm and I'm talking to him and I'm like hey so you know last night I was doing some cooking and stuff and the alarm on your radio went off at like eight o'clock at night and he's like I don't have an alarm on my radio he's like Laura I think I know why that might have happened I don't want to freak you out there's an old woman in your bedroom. And I literally just, I couldn't believe it. I was really scared. I'm pretty, I, I mean, when he told me, I knew he was talking about a ghost. I don't really get scared that easily um, at all, but um, this scared me. It, it did really scare me. Okay, he saw something in there. I know the feeling I, Felt when i walked into that room the radio blasting on the knock at the door and i'm like there's something this is just not cool my painter finished our master bedroom and the house was all set up for thanksgiving thanksgiving dinner everybody starts showing up all my friends brand new house they're all looking around and two of my friends are like oh we want to go check around upstairs Right when they said that, I got a little pit in my stomach. They were like, we're gonna go check right upstairs. And I was like, uh, cool. I'm like, all right, cool. So they take off upstairs and I'm talking to my guests, you know, offering drinks, handing out hors d'oeuvres, and everyone's just having a really, really great time. Then I hear Everyone's just having a really, really great time. Then I hear, and everybody is just like, what's going on? And I run to the stairs and the two of them come running down the stairs. They're like, oh my God, Laura, you're not gonna believe what we just saw. We walked into your bedroom and we saw an old woman. And I literally like went pale. And I'm just like, oh my God. And my friend was like, listen, I'm gonna call my mother. And I'm like, why are you gonna call your mother? She's like, listen, my mother has experience with this stuff. Let me just call her. And meanwhile, I've never experienced anything like this before. So I'm just like, okay, fine, call your mother. And she calls her mother and her mother's never been to my house before. Her mother's not even in the state. Her mother is in Florida. And she calls her mother and I get on the phone and she said, okay, I'm gonna need you to go back up to your room. And we walk into the bedroom. I'm literally standing at the doorway because I don't really want to go in there. And I'm looking around. And then she says, okay. Is there a little room off to the left? And I, my attention goes right to the French doors into the sunroom. And I'm like. Yes. And she said, okay, very calm. She's like, okay. She's in there. We're like, oh my god! And scream and freak out, run out of the room, and I could. This woman has never been to my house before, and my friend did not fill her in on anything. My friend was literally here's Laura handing me the phone. She didn't know anything, and I run downstairs and then I have her on the phone and she's like, okay, listen, I need you to stay out of that room for half an hour. She's like, do not go up there a second before that. And I look at my watch and I say, okay. And she says, okay, call me back in half an hour. And I said, okay, hang up the phone, trying to do my best to deal with what's going on. Meanwhile, upstairs, I don't know what's happening. And then half an hour later, it's so funny. The three of us meet at the bottom of the stairs and we're like, okay. We walk up the stairs together. We walk into the master bedroom and it's like nothing had ever been there. The vibe is different. It feels cozy. <laughs> oh my God. The room even looks different. Like, I'm just like, what did she do? And it was just awesome. And there was whatever was there was just gone like that. There was never a problem after that. I actually talked to her later and I and I asked her like what what did you do? And she said, well, I asked her to leave. And I just said, okay. Cool. Because it worked. And that was it.
3: Believe that there was always, uh, always something else out there. I Actually, grew up in a in a home that was uh, that I believed to be haunted. There's always weird things going. got little kids would come over and my, my my sister would babysit and and nobody would go into my bedroom at all I mean if they there was a lot of yeah like a lot of Hot Wheels and all kind of that kind of stuff and but nobody would go in there but it was kind of scared I remember somebody came over with a baby. And as soon as they went into my room or near it, they started crying. And it was kind of like a bad vibe room. There was a light inside my closet. I would always turn it off and, and, and shut the door. And I was, would wake up in the middle of the night and my light would be on and the, and the door would be open. It wasn't very big. When you went into it, it went back like a little ways. I assumed that that I had just somehow forgotten. You know, I couldn't figure out how I forgot, but I just thought, maybe I just forgot. So I would get out of bed, actually go, turn the light off, close the door, and I would just close it to where it was just shut, and then go back to sleep. And that's the way it kind of started. After that happened, every night. The second I put my head to the pillow, I would hear just like a complete party going on with people laughing and people cheering each other, music. It wasn't like I woke up listening to it. I turned the lights off, get in bed, and boom there was sound and it just it went on and on and on but the second you lifted your head off of it you you couldn't hear anything anymore it was silent it got kind of so annoying that i just would try to stay up as late as possible before i would go to bed so i'd be really tired so i wasn't annoyed by by all the noises in my room until until like one night the music was going on in the one ear and i heard through my other ear a a mumbling a, a a man's voice but it was um it wasn't really saying anything but it was there it was talking to me but it wasn't i couldn't really understand what the words were it sounded like a man's voice at that point i was petrified <laughs> It sounded like somebody was, like, kneeling at, at my bed and trying to talk to me. It really scared me with the, with the man's voice. Um, I jumped up, I turned the light on, and nothing was there. It was dead silent. I didn't know what was going on. I got really scared. I ran in and I told my dad, the door was closed. You know, I banged on the door. My dad was, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? And I said, a man was talking to me in the room. I think he lives in the closet. My dad took me back in my bedroom and looked around and he was, he was, he was pissed. (laughs) He was mad at me for waking him up the next, you know, night. I tried to, to go back to bed, and I'm laying in bed, and it was about three in the morning, and I just I, I, I just opened my eyes, and, and opened my eyes for really no reason. I looked towards the closet. The door was just kind of starting to open. And there was a man's face in, in the doorway. Towards the closet the door was just kind of starting to open and there was a man's face in in the doorway it was an old man and he was it was an old man and he was I looked towards the closet the door was just kind of starting to open and there was a man's face in and i couldn't really understand what the words were it sounded like closet, there was nobody there he was he was he was pissed <laughs> to go back to bed and i'm laying in bed and it was about three in the morning <clears throat> and i just I, I i just opened my eyes and and opened my eyes for really no reason i looked towards the closet the door was just kind of starting to open and there was a man's face in in the doorway. I looked towards the closet. The door was just kind of starting to open. And there was a man's face in, in the doorway. It was an old man and he was standing like staring right at him you know it had a scraggly beard but he was kind of dressed you know kind of dressed nice but disheveled you know nice pants and he had on a like a like a dress shirt he had no color just even you know his clothes and, and his face and, and everything were everything was gray that really scared me i don't think i've ever ran that fast in my life i dad came and checked the closet. There was nobody there. He was, uh, he was not happy with me again. You know, he, my dad, you know, was a working man, and, you know, he had to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, I keep running in his room and, and, and telling him that there's, you know, I'm hearing people talking, and there's, there's a, there's an old man. My parents didn't believe me. but They just thought I was weird. I didn't go back to the to my bedroom to sleep for at least a few days. I uh, I just slept on the couch in the living room. It scared me that bad. Where uh, I uh, I just didn't want to go back in the bedroom at all. I didn't want that to happen again. I wanted somebody to I wanted somebody to see him too, or I wanted somebody to to experience it. I wanted to know why he was there. I wanted you know I had so many questions. My aunt came to visit. This is uh, my mother's sister uh my aunt Nellie and and uh i love her to death she's a uh she tells everybody she's she's psychic i, I didn't really know really kind of what that meant she's just um very open to everything yeah you know, like she her mind is completely open and i think she feels things and sees things that 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 we don't see she she kind of pulled me aside and she said she said she said vince there's something going on in your bedroom and i yeah, nobody would believe me. She just knew. She told me she knew from right when she walked in the house. My mom and dad—they just kind of let let her do what she wanted to do and kind of humor her. She closed herself in the bedroom for a long time. I, I have no idea what she what she did b- back there, but. um she came back, and she said that that uh, uh, it was an old man. He, he didn't mean any harm, but uh, he had died in that bedroom. She said there was a party at the house, and people were having fun. And she described him, and, and she described him. Uh, the fire. The room caught fire. There was a party going on at the time that this guy passed away and I think he just wanted people to know that he had died in in, uh, in that room. My aunt actually uh, started did a little research on the house, and that was a remodel, uh, remodeled room yeah, for with burn damage, with fire damage. And at that time, I was so happy because she, you know, she validated what I had been seeing. I never saw him again. Um, but I kept, still kept the, the closet door closed and, and the lights on.
6: I didn't know very much about her. I knew that she was a big movie star because I had seen that movie. It happened in Sun Valley. And she skated and she had stars in her eyes. and. She was very, very pretty and had so much going for her. She was one of the wealthiest women in the world, by the way. And her husband was the Onassis of Norway. And he was a great gentleman. And um, they never had any children. She died in 57. And the house remained empty for four years since her death children ran up the stairs and they went into her bedroom and in her bedroom she had kind of tufted walls and very very Norwegian it looked to me my children of course tiniest ones went this is a bedroom for a princess mommy you could sleep here we were getting ready to leave the house. I was getting very nervous, because I didn't want to see any more. I just knew that I just couldn't afford this house. Oh. I heard this voice. He looked like a Viking that had just stepped off one of those big ships. Mr. Olmstead, who was her husband. I did not know her husband was there. He started to come down the stairs, and I thought, I'm in trouble. And I said, I'm so sorry, sir. Uh, 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 I'll I'll get them. We'll, we'll, we'll leave. And he said, No, 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 no. In this house, this house was built to be filled with children and laughter and love and family. (laughs) And he pointed his staff at me, and he said, You want to buy this house? Oh, I'd love to. But I can't afford your house, sir. And uh, he said, now, how much can you afford? So I thought very quickly and lied, of course. I said, I can pay $17.50 a month. <laughs> and I couldn't. And he said, you'll make it seventeen fifty, and you'll have a deal. And I said, no, 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 I couldn't do that. And he said, yes, you can. You <clears throat> And uh, he told the real estate, bring your people over here and. In- And write this up she's going to have this house this is where we still live when i first moved in i felt a little spooky a couple of times when i was alone i heard a lot of walking right above my room back and forth and back and forth and i thought Who is that restless spirit up there? So that's how it all started. There was a lot of throwing of stuff in the beginning. Like something fell up in the attic. There were just smatterings and sounds, uh, slamming, windows closing, you know, slamming the window down. You'll hear music coming from there. I finally went to investigate. It was very quiet and it was almost like a death. It was deadly, I can't explain it course, there'd be nothing there. Then it started happening more frequently, more aggressive sounds. I'd have a party outside. Lights would go on. People would look up, and go, somebody's up there. Then, I was startled from a sound sleep Uh, at someone standing over the bed, like I was being stared at. uh, Then, I was startled from a sound sleep uh, at someone standing over the bed, like I was being stared at. And it went away there was a time where I thought hmm am I going to be able to handle this house a few months later I was up in the attic I heard very light and like some light mumbling so I started to explore this room the wall she had a painted Norwegian fairy tale it's of a little boy and a little girl and um, she's skipping and she has a full dress on and and it started at one end and it went around the room and I thought this is beautiful what what did she have this for she had a probably a good imagination and was childlike herself to have that painted that fairy tale painted she could have that have been the room that she had planned for her own children in the room there was this contraption in the middle that was now defunct she had her own figure skating rink up there that froze Evidently, it looked like she hadn't used it for a while. So it was something that she used to do. This was uh, her her sanctuary, and um, I better live up to it. I had, did have that in my imagination. The girls weren't figure skaters. They didn't do that. But roller skating was their...